Good morning. Thank you for listening to the message this morning. Let me say up front that this message was delivered at church, live, of course, but the recording did not record correctly for some reason. So because of that technical difficulty, I'm re-recording this message at home, and I appreciate you listening to it. The message this morning is about heaven, and this is part one. I'd like to open, as I did at church, with a bit of humor to begin with. Father Murphy walks into a pub in Donegal and says to the first man he meets, Do you want to go to heaven? And the man said, I do, Father, I do. And the priest said, Then stand over there against the wall. Then the priest asked the second man, Do you, sir, want to go to heaven? Certainly, Father, was the man's reply. Then stand over there against the wall, said the priest. Then Father Murphy walked up to O'Toole and said, O'Toole, do you want to go to heaven? O'Toole said, No, Father, I don't think I do. The priest replied in exasperation, I don't believe this. I can't believe me ears. You mean to tell me that when you die, you don't want to go to heaven? O'Toole said, Oh, when I die, yes. I thought you were getting a group together to go today. Well, that reminds me of the old song, Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven, But Nobody Wants to Die. In previous messages, we've looked at the scriptures regarding the makeup of man. Each of us are comprised of body, soul, spirit. We also looked at the subject of death and dying in two separate messages. Today, I want us to consider what lies beyond the grave. There are one of two options for each of us. Either we enter into the presence of God in heaven for eternity, or we are forever completely separated from His presence in hell. That's the very definition of hell, to be separated completely from the presence of God. I believe that ultimately the two most important questions that any man, woman, or child will ever ask in their lives on this planet are these. First, what will you do about Jesus Christ? His claims to deity demand a decision. And the second question, what will you allow Jesus to do with you? Of course, we could spend all of our time together this morning discussing these two questions, but for the sake of brevity, let me just say that how we answer question one determines our eternal place, and how we answer question two determines our eternal reward. Jesus declared in John 14, beginning in verse 1, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going." Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Jesus Christ is the only way to relationship with God the Father and the only way to the place where God resides. I want to ask you a couple of questions as we begin the message this morning. How often do you think about heaven? 
occasionally, once a week, every day? C.S. Lewis, in his amazing book, Mere Christianity, said this, Hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave this present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves, who set foot on the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, they all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this one. And he continued by saying, Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. So we should think about heaven often, right? In thinking about heaven this morning, I want to make some general observations that I think we can build upon in future messages. We've already noted that heaven is a place, and we will look at that more later on, but let's look at some other general truths from Scripture regarding heaven. First, and fundamentally, heaven is eternal life. Heaven has been described as the life of God gifted to the believer in Christ. Secondly, eternal life is possessed only by God. It has no beginning or ending, and it's not affected by time. It is not a quantity of time, therefore, but rather a quality of life. Eternal life is a quality of life that God alone experiences. Third point, man cannot attain eternal life through any means. It is a gift from God. Scripture tells us that it's a free gift of grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Eternal life comes only from knowing God. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This knowledge of God comes only through Jesus Christ. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And John 5.24, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. The words of Jesus. In John 14, 6, which we've already cited, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And finally, John 20, 30 through 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The unrighteous cannot receive eternal life. John 8, 21. 
Then he said again to them, I go away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Point number four about eternal life. The believer can never lose it. In John 10, 28 through 30, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Point number five, physical death cannot affect eternal life. There are three dimensions of life that we're given in Christ. New life, which is regeneration, abundant life, which is sanctification, and eternal life, which is glorification. These are gifts from God that are not affected by physical death. When I place my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, believing that He is the unique and one-of-a-kind begotten Son of God who died in my place for my sins, was buried and physically rose again on the third day, and I confess this with my mouth, I received new life in Christ through regeneration and I began a walk of abundant life in sanctification that will reach its fruition in eternal life through glorification. Point number six, eternal life guarantees the believer access to the third heaven immediately after physical death and ultimately the eternal heaven after the first resurrection. We have the gift of eternal life when we believe and confess Christ. As a result, we access the third heaven upon our physical death, and we're transported to the eternal heaven when Jesus comes back at the first resurrection. The Bible divides the life of man into three stages. First, the period from birth to death in a physical body and a physical world. The second period is between death and resurrection, or the intermediate state, where our souls live without a physical or glorified body. And then the final period, the eternal state, in the resurrected, glorified body at the return of Jesus. We're obviously well familiar with our physical bodies in this physical world, of course, and the Bible doesn't say a great deal, to be quite honest, about the intermediate state where our souls are separated from our physical bodies, awaiting our glorified bodies at the first resurrection. So because our purpose here this morning is to direct our focus towards eternal life in the presence of God, let's look for a brief time at what the Bible tells us regarding our final eternal state in resurrected glorified bodies. Let's talk about the resurrection body. First, we do not know everything about its exact nature. There's some mystery regarding what our resurrected bodies will be. We receive our resurrection bodies after the first resurrection, and believers who are alive when He comes will instantly be transformed and glorified uh, without experiencing physical death. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 15, 15 through 52. A third point to make about our resurrection bodies. Christ made 10 appearances in His resurrection body, and so He is our model as to what we will be like. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, 
from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And Psalm seventeen fifteen, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. Christ's resurrection body was similar to His earthly body. It was a real body that could easily be recognized unless he veiled himself. Luke 24, 30 through 35, John 20, 18, 20, and 29. His disciples could see him and the nail prints in his hands and feet. Luke 24, 39. It was a spiritual slash physical body. He could verbally communicate. Luke 24, 43. They could touch his body. Matthew 28, 9. Luke 24:39, John 20:17. Now here's a thought to consider though. Did Jesus' resurrected body have blood? We know that it had flesh and bones, as we read in Luke 24:39, "See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have." So he had flesh and bones, but did his body have blood? 1 Corinthians 15.50 says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Blood is needed in our physical bodies to maintain life as we are constantly in a state of deterioration, 2 Corinthians 4.16. But our resurrected body will be incorruptible, imperishable, so there may be no need for blood. And Christ shed his blood on the cross for our sins. Point number four about the resurrected body of Jesus. His body could take a piece of fish and eat. Luke 24, 43 and Acts 10, 40 through 41. Also, physical barriers could not affect it. John 20 through 26 says after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Jesus' resurrected body was not limited by physical barriers. He could pass through doors or walls. So there's some mystery as to what our heavenly bodies will be like, but we know that when we see Jesus face to face, we will be transformed into the likeness of his glory to live with him in his eternal presence. To this point this morning, we've listed some general observations about heaven. Heaven is eternal life with God. It is a free gift from God. We cannot achieve it on our own. We cannot lose it once we receive it. Physical death cannot affect it. And through this gift of God, we have access to the third heaven at our physical death and the eternal heaven when we're raised to meet Christ in the air at his second coming. In addition, we've discussed the three stages of our lives, the period from birth to physical death and our physical bodies, the period between death and resurrection where we await our eternal bodies at the resurrection, and the eternal state when Christ returns and we receive our glorified bodies. 
Finally, we looked at what our glorified bodies might be like based on the example of Jesus' resurrected body as observed during the period between his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven to be seated with the Father. As we said earlier, heaven is the eternal life of God gifted to the believer in Christ. But dearly beloved, heaven is also a place. Jesus said in John 14, For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Some people believe that because God is spirit, heaven therefore must also be spiritual. It cannot be a physical place. In his book, Heaven, author Randy Alcorn addresses that notion in this way. Quote, saying that God is spirit is very different from saying that heaven is spirit. Heaven, after all, is not the same as God. God created heaven. Therefore, he did not always dwell there. Though God chooses to dwell in heaven, he does not need a dwelling place. However, as finite humans, we do. It's no problem for the all-powerful God, a spirit, to dwell in a spiritual realm or a physical realm or a realm that includes both. The real question is whether people, being by nature both spiritual and physical, can dwell in a realm without physical properties. The physical new earth will be our ultimate dwelling place, but until then we shouldn't find it surprising if God chooses to provide a waiting place that's also physical. For us to exist as human beings, we occupy space. It seems reasonable to infer that the space we occupy would be physical. If the present intermediate heaven is a place where God, angels, and humans dwell, it makes sense that heaven would be accommodated to mankind, because God needs no accommodation, unquote. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. What accommodations our Lord is making for us. And our joy is found in his following words, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There's so much more to investigate about what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. In 1962, country music star Jim Reeves released a song with these lyrics, This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. A.W. Tozer once said, The church is constantly being tempted to accept this world as her home, but if she's wise, she will consider that she stands in the valley between the mountain peaks of eternity past and eternity to come. The past is gone forever, and the present is passing as swift as the shadow on the sundial of Ahaz. Even if the earth should continue a million years, not one of us could stay to enjoy it. We do well to think of the long tomorrow. The long tomorrow, heaven. Today, let us treasure the great promises that God has revealed to us in Christ. We are His, and we are seated with Him in heavenly places. How deep is the love of God for us and that he would provide a door to heaven in his son and gift eternal life to redeem sinners such as we. May we be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus and filled with his humility and grace. 
And may the life of Jesus be formed in us and seen through us to his glory. Heaven is in us. Heaven is in us. And we are going home. And so we watch and pray. As C.S. Lewis said, there are better things ahead than any we leave behind. Amen.